0: This message by Bill Kittrell was recorded during a Sunday celebration service for Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. Bill serves as a senior pastor on staff at Cornerstone Church. He doesn't see that going away, he sees it continuing. And so he's encouraging them, the Lord of the church. He distributes his grace in a variety of ways to strengthen us. He had talked about in chapter 1, you're encountering various trials and now he uses the same word this varied grace. You have various trials. You have various grace available to the church. So we really don't have to be afraid. As we heard in that prophetic word, we don't have to be afraid. We can trust the Lord is on his throne. And one of the things he's doing is he's giving each member of a local church a gift. And we need those gifts. Recently, Sherry and I moved and we been in our house for 24 years. We're old people. We needed a lot of help, and a group of young men came over to help me one day. Thank you, men, very much. I was very grateful, and still am. They got a lot done that day. The most difficult chore, though, was without a question, without question, painting a picnic table. That I had a wooden picnic table. I had. I wanted to get it painted before we moved. It had to be stained because. Not just painting it, you're trying to preserve the wood. And so you stain it. And there's no way to paint with stain. If you've ever painted with stain, when, when you paint with stain, you get stained too. And there's really no way out of it. You get covered with this stain. And then when you get done, you get to wash it off with turpentine, which is always a joy. And it needed two coats. There was a young man there, Heath Hurst who really seemed eager to do this chore. I felt bad about it. It felt like he painted all day. He certainly was covered in stain when he got done, when it was over. And I remember thinking, he must be a remarkable young man to serve like this, because most young men aren't eager to sacrifice their Saturday, and they certainly aren't eager to do a dirty, nasty, dirty job like this. Stain this picnic table with two coats. He serves now on one of our ministry teams that Mike was talking about earlier. He serves on our tech team. And you have to have some technical skill to do this, of course. You've got to be able to work with whatever these things are over here and you serve behind the scenes when you're on the tech team. The only time you get noticed when you're on the tech team is when you blow it, when you make a mistake. Then everybody looks at you. Otherwise, if, if you do your job perfectly, you're invisible. You get no recognition. If you crave recognition, don't sign up this morning for the tech team. Sounds like the perfect position, doesn't it, for a young man Who will give up a Saturday to paint somebody's picnic table. Perfect position. The Lord gives gifts. I think Heath has a gift. I think that's evidence of grace. The Lord gives abilities. He gives strength. And we should all thank God this morning for Heath and all the people that he represents. There's so many people like that in our local church. We should be humbled and we should be so thankful. Because, and we should give glory to God. That's what this text is all about. Because it's Him at work. It's the Lord of the church giving us what we need to fulfill His purposes. And I think the question for all of us today is, what is our gift? And where can we serve. So let's look at this text closely. Verses 8 through 11, remember the one another's, there are three now in verses 8 through 11. There's love one another, show hospitality to one another. He's talking about the church. And now in today's text, serve one another, love one another, show hospitality to one another, serve one another. It's clear that in Peter's mind, he's linking this, this loving one another and serving one another. Showing hospitality is a way to serve. He's picturing the church as God's house. God's the owner of the house, and all the members are stewards. They're given gifts that they, they need to use for God's house. And so it's vital that these members, these stewards, love one another and serve one another. Verse 10, as each has received a gift, use it, use this gift to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Various trials, varied grace. Each member has a responsibility, has a gift, has a function in God's house. There are no useless members. Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians twelve seven: To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit, a spiritual gift for the common good. Each member of the church is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good good. This is the kind of gift that Peter obviously is talking about. He's referring to it because it's a gift from God. When you talk about grace, you talk about the work of the Spirit. These gifts are spiritual gifts. They're manifestations of the Spirit. Any ability that's empowered by the Spirit and used in any ministry in the church is what he's referring to. There, There are gifts that are related to natural abilities like you know, maybe teaching or administration. There are other gifts that seem more miraculous. Like prophecy or the gift of healing. Being able to pray for people and see them healed of sickness. Or discerning spiritual issues. But we should be careful not to make a distinction in our minds between supernatural gifts and natural gifts. The Bible doesn't do that. Peter doesn't do that. He has two categories. We should work in those two categories, speaking gifts, serving gifts, but not make a distinction between supernatural and natural, because if we do that, we're going to miss God at work. God is at work God is giving gifts to people. We're going to miss that. We're going to fail to thank Him for His gifts. We're going to miss an opportunity to draw attention to His glory. Several years ago now, Henry Blackaby wrote a book about experiencing God. He said this, One of the greatest tragedies among God's people is that while they have a deep longing to experience Him, They are experiencing God day after day, but do not know how to recognize Him. So I want to make sure this morning that we recognize, hey, that's God at work. If this has been true of your own Christian experience, I pray that this book will help you learn the way to recognize clearly the activity of God in and around your life. I pray that God will open your spiritual eyes to see what He is doing. I believe He's given us this text this morning so we can do just that, to encourage our faith, to open our eyes, to give us discernment so we can see, wait a minute, God is at work all around us. And that's why it's so important for you to find your gift and deploy it, serve in the local church, because it glorifies Him. It brings glory to Him. It strengthens the church and the church exists for His glory. And when you deploy your gift and use it, we see God at work. We want to passionately pursue the person and work of the Spirit. Primary evidence of that is love according to scripture. You can tell when God's at work because the church is united and people love each other. That's a miracle. There's so much trying to divide now, isn't there? There's so much in our world. There's so many opportunities. That's why love covers a multitude of sins. Otherwise, the church is in trouble. We want to passionately pursue the person of the work and work of the Spirit. That's the purpose of this gathering today. I love the fact that Sunday is always unpredictable. I'm always surprised. What, what we plan, what we think about, what we think is going to happen, it, it, it sometimes happens, but so often what happens is what we didn't plan. And if you're discerning, you'll notice this, that the, the Lord just had a plan. We didn't plan that. He planned that. We can miss this if we, if we don't think biblically about these gifts. John Wimber, the man, he's gone to be with the Lord now, but he was a great theologian, and he was very good about spiritual gifts. And he was commenting on 1 Corinthians 12 in a book he wrote called Power Points. And he just encouraged the work of the Spirit. He said this, The manifestation of the Spirit is not supposed to be the exception. It's supposed to be the norm. I agree. God's empowering presence should be evident in the church. We need that, don't we? To how many of us does God give spiritual gifts? It's so clear. To everyone. Someone might think, not to me. What Paul or Peter is talking about hasn't ever happened to me. But John Wimber's answer is yes it has. <laughs> you just didn't have the theology, the practice, or the encouragement to recognize it and respond. And I think that's why the Lord has given us this text this morning. He wants to encourage us. He wants our theology to be biblical. He wants us to understand practice better. And he wants to encourage us. Peter Peter would just agree with John Wimber. Each has received a gift. Use it to serve one another. God has given you a spiritual gift. And it needs to be used in the context of the local church. Your gifts have been given to you graciously, freely. It's a favor. He's imparted a gift to you. Our church is going to be weaker If your gifts are not discovered in you, serve one another, he says. So how how should you serve? It's the whole purpose. It's why the deacons have set up all this this morning to, to get you involved, participating on a ministry team so that you can deploy your gifts, discover your gifts, look for opportunities to serve others. Find a, a God-given ability and use it humbly and passionately. It is a, it's such a privilege. It's such a joy. It'll be so fulfilling to you when you do this. You will not regret using your gifts to serve other people. You will not, never regret it. Each, Peter says it bluntly, each has received a gift. Use it. You have have a unique function. A gift here, literally, the Greek word is charisma. You may have heard that word before. You've heard of charismatics. That's where it comes from. Charismatics were just people who believed the gifts were still in operation today. A lot of people said they weren't. And charismatics... Believe they were, so they took this word for gift, charisma. It's a Greek word. They called them charismatics. Now they call them continuationists because there were so many crazy charismatics. But Herman Ritterboss was writing in 1966. I don't even think he knew all this was going on. He was a Pauline scholar. That's Paul's sister, Pauline. No, that's that's Paul. He was a, a, a scholar that studied Paul. He wrote a book all about Paul. And he's talking about this word. He says, the charismatic is not only that which is spectacular and unusual. So he's not addressing even some of the issues that were going on. Charisma is everything that the Spirit wishes to use and presses into service for equipping and upbuilding the church. It's a gift what can serve for instruction and admonition and for ministering to one another or even the effective direction and government of the church. The whole distinction between charismatic and non-charismatic ministries in the church, therefore, cannot be reconciled with the Pauline conception of charisma. So there's, there's all these gifts, this charisma... It refers to any capacity, any talent, any capability that can be used for the benefit of the church, and we don't want to restrict it, because otherwise we'll miss it. It can be just a natural strength and ability. So last week, our new pastor, Stephen St. John, told us about next month is Compassion Month. And I thought he just did a wonderful job of communicating what Compassion Month was all about. He highlighted some of the opportunities we had. It was very inspiring. I was I was very moved and encouraged. I thought it was a great moment for us as a church. He talked about our compassion ministry team and our our the leader of that team, Corey Moles. And, and so now I saw, I sat there, and I thought, you were being led by Stephen. And Corey, as a church, to do acts of mercy as a church for the glory of God in our community. And it was powerful. And what was so powerful about it, I believe, is both of these men have a gift of mercy. And now that gift of mercy, it's from the Lord for His glory. But He has put that in our church so that we can more effectively be equipped to do works of ministry in our community. So now we can be more effective in doing showing mercy, which our community needs the mercy of God from the church of Jesus Christ. And given us, Stephen, who's adopted two children from other countries, written a book on adoption. It's available in the bookstore. And he encouraged, he wrote this book just to, Encourage people to adopt children. It's, it's sold millions of copies worldwide. I think Stephen has a gift, what Paul calls in Romans 12, showing mercy. It's a spiritual gift. Corey and his, his wife, Julia, lost their two-year-old son, Jackson, Jacks, a few years ago. They, they, it was devastating. He was two years old, but it stirred them with a passion to help other people, to show mercy. I went back last Sunday and just sat at the table with, with Corey and talked to him. I just thought, man, he is gifted. He has the gift of showing mercy. And that, that strengthens our church. I've never been more encouraged and excited about our mercy ministry, our compassion ministry. Glory to God. Verse 10, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. Each has received. It's in the past tense. You have a gift. Everybody has a gift. And it's for the benefit of the church, the whole church. God has made us so we depend on each other. We can never be the church without one another. That's why there's all these one another's. We have to have one another. We can't succeed otherwise. There's a diversity of gifts, and it's like all these small streams, they come together together. And then they make a big river. You may not even know about this because of TVA. They dam every river up. So you don't even see this anymore. But I don't like TVA, so. All these little rivers, all these gifts, they come together. And then the church is powerful. That's the way the Lord has designed it. The, The word serve in verse 10 The the Greek word is where we get the word for deacon. Deacon, it's it's a reference to any service in the church. Deacon literally means serve. Deacons are, are servants on steroids. I mean, they are people, everybody wants to serve. They really, I mean, they just are servants. You know, sadly, when we, we were slow at establishing deacons in our church, when we did ordain them and began to talk to, about, to the congregation about it, we got pushback. We got some people that were very concerned. You know why? Because they'd had bad experiences with deacons. Deacons apparently, I've never experienced this, but apparently they're kind of infamous for selfish ambition and self-exaltation and they've harmed churches that's bizarre this is not a biblical perspective by definition they are not self-serving thankfully our deacons have not been like that at all they're faithful and true deacons. They seem to love to serve. They're behind the scenes. And they're getting things done for our local church. And the pastors would just thank God for the deacons. We're just, we're just grateful. It's humbling to have deacons. Who are just behind the scenes making things happen. The pastors do nothing. We do some things. But we are grateful for these servants. Jesus said in Mark 10, you remember, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them, but it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man, God the Son incarnate, Jesus Christ, came not to be served, but to serve, to give His life as a ransom for many. This is the definition of true greatness. Remember this section started in verse 7. The end of all things is at hand. There's this time when the Lord is coming back. And when He comes back, we're going to see that these deacons, they're the ones that are truly great. The servants, they're good stewards of God's varied grace. So thank you, deacons. Thank you, servants. We want to recognize from a biblical perspective, true greatness. Talking about stewards, do you remember the story about Joseph? He was a story in the Old Testament in Genesis, Genesis 39. I think we have it, I can project it or you can turn there in your Bibles. In Genesis 39, it says, now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had had bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there and the Lord was with Joseph and he became a successful man. And he was in the house of his Egyptian master. And his master saw that the Lord was with him. And that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight, in Potiphar's sight, and attended him. And he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. And from that, from the time that he made him overseer in his house... And over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in house and field. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge. And because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food that he ate. Joseph was a faithful steward. He was a good steward steward he was an overseer he was an administrator in the house of potiphar and the lord blessed him and so potiphar's house prospered he joseph was in charge potiphar was free from concerns he didn't place everything in joseph's hands for joseph's enjoyment to use for himself Joseph was responsible to use his gift. We want to be stewards of God's grace like Joseph was a steward of the things of Potiphar. So that the Lord has no concern. So that in his house there is prosperity. We want to be a faithful steward of the manifold grace of this various grace that we've received. But, you know, stewardship is subject to abuse. Remember, Jesus told a parable of the dishonest steward or manager to his disciples. There was a rich man who had a manager. And charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. Everybody listening would have known what he was talking about. There are stewards who waste the possessions of the one that owns the house. So to be a steward, the implication is that you're being entrusted with something and your job is to be trustworthy, to be faithful. Paul talking about grace and ministry in 1 Corinthians 4 said, this is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mystery of God. Whatever your gift is, you can regard yourself as a steward of this grace it's required of stewards they be found faithful so this is a calling this morning you've you've received grace in these gifts that the Lord has given you each one has a gift and he has you in the church to use those gifts for his glory Jerry Bridges in his wonderful book transforming grace talks about spiritual gifts Before he died, he was our good friend. I used to accuse him of being a charismatic. We had a lot of fun with that. But he said this in in Transforming Grace. The spiritual gifts we have and the ministries we perform are gifts of God's grace. None of us deserves the gifts he or she has been given. They're given to us by God's undeserved favor to us through Christ. This means the most worthy And the most unworthy of all Christians both receive their gifts and their ministries on the same basis. The unworthy person surely does not deserve his gift, but neither does the most worthy. That's what what makes it grace. They both receive them as unmerited favors from God. So never get annoyed. At people who don't have the gift you have that would be terribly wrong. All right, let's look at the gifts quickly. Whoever speaks, two categories, whoever speaks, as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves, verse 11, as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. So there's gifts of speaking, things like, The word of wisdom. We find gift lifts in the New Testament. Peter doesn't go into the detail. He just gives two categories. And none of the lifts in the New Testament are exhaustive. They're not meant to be exhaustive. One time Paul mentioned these. Another time he'll mention these. Peter doesn't even mention details. just creates categories. So there's just the, the number of gifts is really based on God's varied grace. How many gifts do you think he has? How many stars does he have? Have you counted the grains of the seashore lately? I mean, he has, there are so many gifts. And there's diverse as the people in the church. That's what's so wonderful about it. Just like, wow, that's a gift of the Spirit. That person. Just looking at these new members this morning, you just look there and you think, gifts. Just think of the gifts. At least I was thinking that because I was thinking about this message. Just think how many gifts are represented on this stage. God is good. Peter just divides them into two categories. Speaking gifts like word of wisdom or word of knowledge, prophecy, speaking in tongues, teaching, preaching. And then he talks about gifts of service. So speaking gifts, he says this. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God. This, this word in the New Testament, it, it's used of... That speaks. It's used of teaching. It's used of preaching. It talks, it, it's used when talk about prophesying or exhorting or sharing a testimony. These are speaking gifts. And the, the primary focus seems to be when the church is gathered, but it certainly goes beyond that. Like if, if someone is trying to comfort someone who is sick and they're, it's just private conversation or a biblical counselor, Whoever speaks, when you're giving counsel, as one who speaks oracles of God, it's in classical Greek, the Greek here was used to to be it was a reference to the spoken word of some God. In in, In the Old Testament, in the Greek translation, it was always translated the word of the Lord. In the New Testament, it refers to the Old Testament scriptures. So Paul says the Jews were entrusted with the oracles of God. Clearly, Peter thinks these speaking gifts are powerful. And it's serious. (laughs) When you speak as one who speaks oracles of God that's scary it says be careful be faithful be prayerful reminded Paul told the Corinthians who's sufficient for these things (laughs) For we are not like so many peddlers of God's word but as men of sincerity as commissioned by God in the sight of God we speak in Christ you're just humbling who's sufficient for these things Peter wants those with the speaking gift to be conscious that whoever's speaking, they're not just giving their own opinion here. It's a spiritual gift. The second thing he talks about is the service gift. Whoever serves should serve as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. So if you are a servant and you've been serving and you are weary, the Lord wants to strengthen you. Through this text this morning, He will give you strength so you don't have to quit, so that your youth will be renewed like the eagle. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. So this is, all these gifts are, are not speaking gifts. These are deeds, work, painting picnic tables, that sort of thing. Motivated by Christian love in the community. The New Testament mentions things like helps. Specifically, helps. There's a gift. A spiritual gift called helps. I can name names of people in our church who have that gift. Administration. They get things done. There, There are gifts of administration. Gifts. It's just called service. He has a gift of service. A gift of giving. Gift of leadership. Gift of showing mercy. All these are these serving gifts in this category that Peter's talking about. And again, there's just a variety of gifts. And in the New Testament, we don't have them all. What is your gift? My wife... Sherry, this morning, is serving in children's ministry as a teacher. She doesn't have any children there. She does have grandchildren. And she has a vision for children's ministry in the church. It's served our family. This children's ministry has served our family over the years. And we're grateful for it. And she sees the powerful effect it can have on children. She loves children. And she wants to serve, so she's teaching. All week long, she's been preparing. She's been preparing to teach in children's ministry, probably like none other has ever prepared. It is sad. I am just like, hun, you work too hard at this. You know, last night, she goes out late, goes to the store, to get Ziploc bags so she can make popcorn, and she makes the world's best popcorn, bar none, for the kids this morning, so she can have little individual bags to bring to the kids and have popcorn. I have no idea why. I think it's a spiritual gift. Sometimes I think she's crazy, but I think it's a spiritual gift. Sherry is a pastor's wife. What's that mean to you? How should she fulfill this role? We've had a lot of comments over the years that she's a pastor's wife. She doesn't seem like a pastor's wife. I love to just, you know, what, what exactly is a pastor's wife? What's what's a pastor's wife look like according to Scripture? I like that picture. It's a spiritual gift that she has, I think, to just help. She's a helper. She loves to help. And again, she represents so many teachers in that room <laughs> this morning. Find your gift and serve others for the glory of God. And you'll be a great pastor's wife. You'll be a great mom. You'll be a great mom-mom. And God will be glorified. I want to conclude with the great end that we have and why we serve. Why we try to discover and deploy our gifts. Why we want to find our gift and why we want to serve others. It's very clear in the text in verse 11. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies. Why? Here's the purpose. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, through the gospel. The only way we can glorify God is to be reconciled to God first and foremost through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, through His life, death, and resurrection. It's the good news that He is our substitute, and when we trust in Him, we can be reconciled to God, and now, We can glorify Him. And how do we do that? Well, we we can do that through our gifts that He has given us. It's like grace upon grace. This is the aim of these gifts that He's given us. God does everything for His glory. And this is the goal of our Christian lives. We want to glorify Him he want, his glory is not just one attribute, one characteristic. It's the sum of all His attributes. It's His glory. And He does everything for the praise of His glory because it's for our joy. He's the one being that can exalt Himself and it serves all of the universe. We want Him to do everything for His glory. All of us, we do everything for His glory we use our gifts for his glory and we will be transformed by his glory to him peter just breaks out now in praise this last section of verse 11 to him he this is an emotional moment it's a doxology he is just giving he just stops like paul does in romans 11 And just breaks out into praise. To Him belong glory and dominion. Forever and ever. Amen. And everybody says, Amen. Amen. Let's do it today. We're going to sing, oh, for a thousand tongues. To sing our great Redeemer's praise. Let me invite the band up. Lord, we want to respond like Peter to you be glory and dominion forever and ever we're not adding to your glory it's the glory you already have Lord we're just drawing attention to it we're magnifying it we're blessing you by with our mouths and with our songs and with our instruments Lord we're drawing attention to your glory you are glorious you have dominion And so, Lord, we want to sing your glory this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to a message given by Bill Kittrell during a Sunday celebration service at Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. To find out more about Cornerstone Church of Knoxville, visit us at www.cornerstonechurchofnoxville.com or call our church office at 865-694-4356. We'd love to have you join us in our mission to treasure, grow in, and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ.